0: And welcome to the Dicer Screaming Podcast. Oh,
1: Ow.
0: Oh, oh. Haunting indeed. Yeah, it's that time of year. Children
2: of the night.
0: Such yes. music
2: they make. What beautiful music they make, my children of the night. Ah, yes. Ah, the season is upon us once again. And we're back in... Spina. Season of the Witch? Yeah, the season of the witch. Ah, now here we are a, a year ago... I believe we did the episode of the season of the witch. Sure. Where we spoke of hauntings and such, but it's that time of year once again, and you can be sure that although I've given nothing away just yet, as if they haven't read the actual title, ah. the komodo is all a flutter, literally fluttering every which way in the breeze. I mean, I, it's like Marilyn Monroe at this point, you know, oh. the street, great wind, and whoops, got to hold it down.
0: Well, avert your eyes and cast your gaze instead to our podcast tonight. We're bringing it to you, and uh, just right before Halloween, so hopefully you got a little something scary cooked up. Even though uh, it's going to be a diminished Halloween, there's just no way I'm getting around it. Uh, probably trick or treating isn't going to be uh, in many people's bailiwick this year uh, with the kids, at least. But uh, you know, probably most of us are way too old. But I still always like to oh um, hey you know have some Osaka virtual game. fun. Yeah, you know. I like answering the doors, so probably going to be a little less of that, as it is Elfblot in oh, well, the Norse.
2: If we're very fortunate, uh, nobody will come around uh, this year, and I will eat all of the candy myself. So, oh. <laughs> I'm not sorry one bit. It's sure. totally going to happen. <laughs> and towards that end, I, I went out and got candy I actually like. So, I'm <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Oh. It's not like I only give out black licorice. <laughs> i
0: Wouldn't judge you if you did.
2: (laughs) Black licorice, the candy version of open contempt. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know they got to put a trick
0: in the treat. So (laughs) anyway, yeah. So we got a little bit of a good show. Uh, First, we're going to start off on a downer. Uh,
2: Yeah. It it there is one sad occasion that I I feel is totally appropriate for us to take a, a moment out for. Uh, We we lost a luminary of gaming uh, this week.
0: Yeah, if you hadn't heard that uh, Len Lakovka has passed away. And uh, TSR luminary from back in the day. uh,
2: Oh, yeah, one of the original click. I mean, this guy was there in 68 in the horticultural hall. And in 69, he ran, or he was the organizer for Gen Con 2. Never minding his long list of... uh, you know, publishing accomplishments.
0: Yeah. He, he's big uh, into what was called the Denny zines, the uh, diplomacies. Lesions d'Angers. Well, the, the
2: Avalon Hill game diplomacy. He was an avid fan. Yeah, and yeah. that was a big way Early... for a lot
0: of guys to, back in the day, to make that kind of connection before social media and all that. These guys were hitting panzines and
2: yeah, it was a very small elect club. But, yeah, I mean, play-by-mail was, mail
0: was, it was, was widespread, thing. though. That's what she did. And, uh, you know, they did a lot uh, of study on it. And, of course, uh, diplomacy is still a great way to lose all your friends. And <laughs> Well,
2: if you play the way some of our friends did. We're <laughs> uh, uh, looking I... right at you, Mackenzie brothers.
0: Yeah, you... <laughs>
2: Oh, I've I mean, never
0: seen you come so close to beating somebody up over a doggone game.
2: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, it would help if they didn't rub people's nose in it. You know, the, yeah, well, yeah.
0: yeah. They, I wasn't
2: angry about the betrayal. I was angry about the smugness. That made it personal. Well, that's what happens when you play against twins. That yeah, was, I mean, they, there is only one side, and it is theirs. Uh, everything else is against them.
0: you got to know how to split them up first. All but, right. Uh, but, no, uh,
2: Len, uh, you know... You, those who recall our uh, Bone Hill, uh, the Isle of Bone Hill uh, review, uh, that was one of Len Lakofka's major contributions to TSR and early Dungeons and Dragons, and the Lendor Isle series of modules continued afterwards. Uh, it's material that we admired very much.
0: And thank you, Raven, for getting a drink in the middle of the podcast. But Yeah,
2: extra somber, you know. Just the, uh, we had to take the horse to water uh, as we travel through the desert during our podcast. Yeah, I'm
0: currently running uh, Bonehill transplanted in Galarian uh, in the Pathfinder campaign setting, so
2: I'll and let you know how that turns out. As well, a suitable tribute, I, I, I think it's a great thing to do. To like, Let's have that moment to celebrate uh, some of Len's most amazing work. And I, we covered most of how we feel about it in the actual Bone Hill episode. So, uh, you know, for those interested, if you haven't heard that one, go back and take a peek. It's it's well worth it, uh, and it's a remarkable module.
0: And, yeah, it, it looms large in my mind, mostly because it's one of the first ones I was run through. So, I mean, it does have that kind of... It has not only the nostalgia, but it has a lot of the feel. so... It's one of those things. So,
2: well, it really highlighted his ability to not just uh, write for the game, but to add to the game as oh, he wrote yeah. a lot of new concepts and things like that in those adventurous Wild West days of early TSR. A lot of those new ideas, those were lens. Uh, plus, he you know he was also a skilled editor, bringing a certain amount of like even handedness and thoughtfulness to the the rather little bit early slapdash era of TSR. Oh, yeah. Definitely
0: uh, Bonehill was well put together.
2: Yeah. He Amen. was He was the, one of the best and uh, much missed. So, uh, tip of the hat to you, Len.
0: Uh, hopefully you are in a much better place than all of us right now. Yeah. So we appreciate all your work. So, moment of silence. and we'll move on with our little tributes that we're starting to do uh, from Twitter uh, Table Talk Podcast is following us now thank you check those fine folks out Tavern Travels and Tests another meme-based 5e podcast so I haven't listened to this one yet but I wanted to but I've just meme-based yeah that's what they that's what they claim that's what they're so apparently they have a lot of fun so I'm looking forward to it and also hello to Wired Nerd following us around
2: oh good on
0: you. hello yeah, so we have quite the new uh, batch of followers. So thank you all. Uh, I guess Twitter is paying off. I guess I just had to make the plaintive whine like, oh, nobody's following me on Twitter. Guess I'm just gonna quit. <laughs> and then everybody
2: shows up like, hey, well, maybe, followers. Yeah, you know, good time to not quit. Yeah, no, so I, yeah. I still pop in on Twitter uh, even now, uh, making my presence known once in a great while. I just, you know, let's let's kill a couple of hours, but. I'll be frank, Uh, you know, those who are regular listeners know that uh, of the two of us, I have the most trouble managing my schedule because uh, contracting is like wildly variable hours. So I have frequently wound up being terribly overworked uh, as we've got to the close of the outdoor work season. Uh, Things are becoming somewhat more tenable. At this stage, so okay, <laughs> I've managed to get it under control. So we we should have like regular well, podcast hours we, now.
0: Well, uh, we make do, and we'll yeah, just keep I, coming at you. We're just uh, slugging away like everybody else right about now. And so we're just keeping everything tied down. Oh goodness, got trouble alert, Batman! To keep everything tied down and secured so we can get through this. And uh, speaking of which, we have some call-ins. Jason has called in, so we're going to let Jason just take it away.
1: Hey, guys. Sorry about the background noise. I'm in the car driving. You, you know what? Great episode on Pendragon, by the way, and the, and the background of it. You, you know, I didn't realize at the time, but, I, I mean, I, maybe I did, but I, I... I don't remember if I saw Excalibur or Holy Grail first, but, you know, Holy Grail predates the movie Excalibur. And for some reason, I had that backwards in my mind. But then, you know, a few years ago, I figured that out, and I was like, wow. But, yeah, Excalibur to me is still the premier fantasy movie. Um, Conan's probably the premier sword of sorcery movie. But for fan- straight fantasy, I think Excalibur is still my favorite. But, yeah, uh, Pendragon's great. I've got the 5th edition or 5.2 edition or whatever. Uh, but I'm interested in, in checking out this new edition. And I think some guys are already getting ready to do a play test. So I think we're going to play the great. So I was thrilled to see your episode and hear it. And, yeah, just got me more excited to play. So thank you. And I look forward to your next episode. Take care.
2: All right, Jason. Yeah, thanks for that input. Um, wow. Yeah, I remember it kind of the same way too. Weirdly, uh, I was first exposed to Excalibur uh, because it was wonderfully available in the United States, whereas Monty Python, it kind of you know you had to wait until uh, VHS copies yeah, until and everything the everything had come out, and then I caught up with everybody else and caught that. But you know, uh, Excalibur looms large in the memory. As well. I
0: caught Monty Python on PBS, I think, on a Saturday.
2: <laughs> we back in the day but yeah crazy stuff uh, I heard about it from friends and like you know there, were, there was no internet back then so there was no sharing snippets online just people telling you over the phone like oh dude you're not gonna believe this this, this, this is what they did yeah.
0: yeah jolly blackburn was talking that there was some uh theater at campus that he went to with a dollar pizza place next door Where all they showed was Excalibur, Alien, and uh, Monty Python the Glass for the Holy Grail. It was like,
2: yeah, okay. um, Interesting. I mean... I'm sure they changed it up sometimes. You know, I mean, like... Yeah, yeah,
0: I'm probably sure that they got another movie or two in there, but, you know, you just talked about that at the time. I know that there was a lot of campus theaters that did stuff like that, so...
2: Yeah, I missed those, 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 uh, the great ones up in uh, University of Michigan. Uh, they they had some terrific campus theater in uh, Ann Arbor, but I right uh,
0: but, yeah. As far as Excalibur, the, the premier fantasy
2: movie. Well, yeah, yeah, okay,
0: I guess I could uh, I could get behind partial at that
2: time. Yeah, it it the totally, early eighties. Yeah, I, it was like number one with a bullet. The best production values. Uh, I, I, again, you know, like we we did discuss that. Like, eh, all right, the armor wasn't the correct period stuff. But who cares? Uh, they went for high fantasy and high awesome, yeah, and it, they got it.
0: It was uh, Arthur de la More, you know, a screen adaptation, yeah. just like uh, kind of Conan the Barbarian.
2: And they did was, a very uh, good job of trying to honor the original material. Yeah,
0: which was more of an homage to the, I guess, the historical, if you could call Arthurian fantasy in any stretching the imagination. Oh, historical. Well,
2: well, it's yeah, it's it's mythology. It's it's woven into the. It was. If you had to
0: do it, the Battle of Britain and you were using modern day fighter jets, I guess would be the a good comparison right. for historical buffs. But you, we're not talking about history; we're talking about the
2: legend, and yeah. that's
0: the big part right
2: there. And yeah. the days of high adventure and epic fantasy, and it had that in spades. Man, did it!
0: So yeah, so uh, check out our uh, take on fantasy movies. I think, uh, although I like uh, Excalibur, I still think um, Millness is Conan. I've come to appreciate more in the the passing of time.
2: Oh, sure. I mean, and that was one where uh, you really got the impression of a world filled with things that were actually used. Uh, I mean, the attention to detail in the prop making and in the choice of sets and locales. uh, You know, like right down to the outfitting. Other movies of that period uh, frequently the sin that they would commit is they would have a nice budget for costuming and things like that, but everything looked brand spanking new. It looked like somebody had plucked it from the tailor that morning. Uh, Milius' Conan, on the other hand, everything looked like it belonged there, like it had been there all along and you just happened to drop in at that moment. Now, incredible, fantastic movie. Mm.
0: All right. So, Ooh. all right. Well, thank you all for right. that. Uh, we're just going to wrap that up there. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, want to, like, just go
2: off on a total Conan bender. And,
0: yeah. You know. Yep. Let's let's just uh, head that one back on the road. We're going to drive this one all the way to the levee before the Chevy dies.
2: Yeah. Well, you can expect no less from the spastic colon oh. of gaming podcasts. Oh. <laughs> yeah,
0: we really sunk in that level. <laughs> I know I put a lot of ohms and think about my words, but
2: uh, it fulfills well. a purpose, uh, but, you know, sometimes oh. it just. Vents. Well,
0: so. sure At we last. just we just release. i i guess that's uh
2: we have purpose we have meaning but sometimes you know i guess guilty as charged tears so. off you know just ah, we're, let's we're go we'll, do something
0: uh, wear it well and speaking of wear oh yeah we're gonna get to our topic but first we have a little advertisement to do and then we're gonna get back in the topic so stick around all right and we're back so thanks for sticking around And we have a howling good episode cooked up for you. <laughs>
2: Quite literally. Oh dad jokes. Ah, so to topics that are the topic we're hitting today. Lycanthropy.
0: Yeah, lycanthropy.
2: Yeah, welcome to Lycanthropy one oh one. In fact, no no, I don't lycanthropy. I love canthropy. Oh uh, now the dad jokes are out. Okay. This this is why Ooh. this is why they keep super gluing my kimono shut. Yeah. Oh, that hurt. <laughs>
0: Alright. That take me a minute to get over. It's good fabric. Oh yeah, so Lycanthropy in fantasy gaming, D specifically, also gonna be talking about Pathfinder.
2: Oh sure. I mean any fantasy setting in which Lycanthropy has a place puts the DM on the spot. I mean, aside from being a classic facet of multiple mythologies. Uh, It's a terrific game mechanic that really throws a monkey wrench into people's original plans, uh, shakes up the player characters, and, you know, like, puts them in a really unique position where uh, empathetically you're working to try to, you know, uh, you're dealing with something where people are not necessarily under full control of their actions some of the time. Uh, there's, There's a big gray area in the world of lycanthropy.
0: Well, um, besides just the wolves, but yeah, when oh, you shoot. say li- lycanthropes, most people figure you mean werewolves, which lichen.
2: Oh, uh, certainly. I mean, that that's kind of the root source of the... Uh, yeah, you know, the, the werewolf was, is
0: well-grounded in fantasy and uh, popular myth and fiction. Some it, people in Michigan here, it is claimed in this uh, southwestern area that there is lurks a dog man. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not kidding. And it, it was. It was debunked. But the fact is, is, that a lot of people started coming forward with different tales. And it also is in Wisconsin too. So those people, uh, the Beast of Bray Road, as it's called. But lycanthropy in Michigan, here, uh, specifically in a place near Papa, a French trapper uh, claimed to have seen a group of dog folk, wolves men, if you will. <laughs> Uh, at a stream, and it so frightened him uh, that he left and would never return to this area. And other uh Native American tribes, the here, the Potawatomi, and the Huron folk, uh, they speak very highly of these spirits and have a great deal of respect for them. Now,
2: on the other hand, there are other spirits they speak of with uh, great uh concern. I mean, an example being. Yeah, the Manitou. or
0: Well, yeah, the, uh, when you say respect... Now, that's bloodlust. There's a lot, yeah, the Wendigo is around here as well. Uh, it's part of the Huron folklore, and uh, you can't... Um, this all goes to uh, Skinwalkers, but uh, we'll, we'll deal with that in a minute. But I'm just going to say that I did not hear of the Dogman until much later in life uh, around this area, but it is prevalent. Um, it's more north of here. That it was a uh, last sighted, I guess, um, where there was an actual credible sighting in uh, 2003. Somebody yeah, I had, never even had, heard had of said this. that they saw. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a picture and a cam of it, so ah, blurry photographic evidence, of course. But yeah. you know, look, um, we're not adding veracity here. We're not turning this into uh,
2: no, but uh, it, it is um, a facet of both over the road culture. type of podcast.
0: But it is a part of culture, so. The fact that it was modern out, or ancient, it, it resonates uh, fully with us. That there's something out in the woods that's going to tear you apart. And you know what? Sometimes it does make it a little bit more interesting to go out.
2: Oh in well, yeah. I mean, if you get a little, uh, you know, a little shiver up the back of the spine as you're you're out there in the woods alone. Uh, hey, not that long ago we had that uh, fella that was hiking and encountered a cougar. Uh, and you know, oh yeah, we had yeah, one. Got too close to its cub, and I mean, that thing chased him for what. Uh, Several miles, I think. It's, oh yeah, yeah, that
0: was just on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. That, that went viral. Yeah, but uh,
2: the knowledge that there are things out there in the night that you know, like something is something's going bump in the dark and tied to the safe. moon. Uh, it now lunacy. Uh, the actual word for lunatic and lunacy goes back to luna or moon. Mm. Uh, the, the notion being that during the times of the full moon. Uh, madness is unleashed. And certainly those who have been stuck on full moon night duty at uh, a major hospital would seem to agree that it does seem to get a little wacky right Or in that the bar time. scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The bars notice oh. My it's best a full bar fights
0: have always been on a full moon. Oh. Yeah, I'm back working back in heartbeats. Uh yeah. The two big brawls that I was part of on that one were both on full moon nights, and we just look up at the sky and see the full moon, and like, oh, well, that explains everything.
2: The worst one I remember at Club 67 was for very different reasons, but Mm. uh, it was an interesting time nonetheless. Uh, Got hit with an entire table. Uh, That was fun. The table
0: sued you for lost time and wages.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and the... (laughs) The table didn't get up afterwards, but I did. Yeah. No, uh, I also got hit in the back of the head with a thrown bottle that you know, hit my head and went bust. And uh, I turned around and looked at the dude who did it. And I gave him the eye and he ran out the back door like, oh crap, now he's mad. Like, I wasn't even ticked before, I was just doing my job. Now it's personal. All right, yep. Oh uh, yeah, those those were the days. So lunacy and mania associated with the time of the full moon. This is just incredibly well-documented, not only sentiment, but with a little bit of something to back it up, too. And as long as there have been, you know, human beings gathered around campfires, there have been stories of moonlit madness and, you know, foul hunger and flesh-devouring in the night and the notion uh, that... You know, men transform into beasts. uh, And their wildest bloodlusts are unleashed on those who are unready.
0: Well, yeah, and then you have the uh, Tales of the Norse, the Berzerks, the Bear Shirts. Yeah. And the Hidar, which were the wolf brothers. Hmm. That uh, could shape, change, or gather the strength of that particular totemic animal into their own uh, fights. As well as, well, the Berzerk is... I believe there's a an authentic authentic sighting of a, or recording of a, a Berserk at the uh, Battle of Harold Hadrada the last stand. Harold the Red, ah. the guy holding the bridge riddled with arrows.
2: Oh Harold, huh? yeah, and
0: his uh, axemen would not leave, dared anybody to cross, and they kept shooting him. And but such tales like that also add to the fantasy, and then so. Well-grounded, D&D picked up, uh, as it did, as a gestalt of many different types of fantasy. Uh, it was no surprise that the werewolf, more or less from the film, made it into the game. But also, surprisingly, the were-rat from the Lankmar series.
2: Yes. Uh, which... <laughs> now, there's one that had a more rarefied origin point. Uh, much more recent. Uh, a spin on the lycanthrop notion. And... You know we, we find the antecedent for that in uh, Fritz Lieber's Lankmar, yeah. But, you uh, know, but we, they didn't stop there, they kept the, piling on the, the Celtic, the werebore, yeah. Celtic berserker
0: uh, legend alongside the Norse lent itself well to skin walkers or skin shifters. And so, the werebore, right out of Celtic myth, men who bristled up like a boar and even could transform themselves with under the right circumstances yeah. into a full fledged boar of pure fury
2: yeah the enraged boar which i mean as uh you know those who know a little of wild boars know that uh they can fight despite vital wounds i mean it it takes them a while to actually die even of terrible injuries if they're enraged so uh, small wonder that an ancient culture would look upon that with just amazement and respect and incorporate it into their own warrior myths.
0: Long before Robert Baratheon fell to a (laughs) boar, so so to speak. That's why the boar spear was made, with the uh, pinions uh, breaking up in the head to stop the boar from running up the shaft and goring you.
2: Yes, so that you could plant the butt of the spear against either a tree or the ground, uh, and it would basically, you know, impale it on, you know, Like stuck on a fork so that it couldn't get any further because, frankly, it would keep on kicking, squealing, and trying to get you even after you, you know, stabbed it right through the chest. And so the werebear,
0: also a companion to the Norse, zerk, the werebear is uh, surprisingly one of the more docile, or if they can be called that, uh,
2: friendly. Distant. Uh, more throat. like it, yeah. More aloof and less concerned with the matters of humans, uh, but that I think lends itself to Bjorn precisely. The, token. the best example there being in The Hobbit, uh, where Bjorn and his bees are there apart from man. You know, it has just the the smallest of uh, connection to you know the the rest of the world. Uh, although he was uh, he thought fairly highly of Radagast. If i recall correctly but uh, the, the were-bore that uh, sorry the were bear that we see spelled out in dnd uh, in its early versions very greatly resembles bjorn uh, a good nature uh, overall but not someone you wish to cross
0: no not much at all and then we go
2: to the were tiger now this is one that uh you know i didn't have a lot of familiar familiarity with uh, until it appeared in D&D. Uh, I, I knew some of the other antecedent material for uh, other were-creatures, but I knew nothing of were-tigers, but it certainly is cool. Yeah, um, the reason why that uh,
0: some of the Tibetan monks who are tiger hunters in India use silver
2: spears. Ah, belief that, uh, you know... Sometimes the tiger takes the shape of the man.
0: You know, a person sinks into a bestial state. Uh, not uncommon in many of the rare forms, and uh, sort of more of the obscure ones that get into is the were crocodile. Not uh, too terribly fantastic, I guess, from uh, many different cultures, but it does lurk around, and as well as. One of my favorite lycanthropes like, to throw pe- into people's uh, mix, especially on a Seaborn campaign, is Wear Sharks. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of them in my Shackles campaign. Oh, Wear Jerks. Yeah, and uh, Wear Bats. Oh, man, that's a new one. Yeah, kind of Man Bat, though. Oh. From uh, the old Batman, you know, back when Marvel and DC were trying to, you know, copyright every name so that the other one couldn't steal it. Oh, jeez. Yeah, uh, okay, those Okay, I do remember
2: that era. Uh, man,
0: man Oh, wait, okay.
2: No, I uh, I should mention that things expanded quite a bit beyond there in uh, encompassing the myths of other places. Uh, yeah, the fox spirits, yeah, uh, that could take the shape of a human, kitsunis, uh, and all that, and the swan may uh, in Monster Manual 2, and possibly also the Selkie. I, would, I was about to go there. All right, man. Elbows. All right. All right. Yeah, uh, the, the Selkie and the Swan a, May. But much the... more a Celtic uh, thing with the Selkie, uh, whereas the Swan May, I believe, uh, has Asian antecedents. I know um, the Kitsune is uh, certainly a Japanese I classic. think uh,
0: the Swan May is actually a French. Oh, really? Yeah, from the Tales of Roland. Excellent. They may have, you know, uh, again, it could be uh, either... Uh, concurrent oh, yeah. myth and stuff that reson- resonated Fair in enough, various cultures creatures. long before. But, but uh, yeah, those are the, more of the kin, like the Fox Woman from uh, the Monster Manual. Two was also in there, very uh, kind of cunning and evil.
2: Yes, uh, certainly. Um, but the Katsuni are a little bit more, thin, At least very self interested.
0: Katsuni are more. Uh, I think they're more like magical sh- shape changers, like the Hengeyokai. Like yes. the carp and the uh, uh, crane shapeshifters. Ah, yes, I, I believe I recall. They were spirits that could take the form of men, but they were actually spirits.
2: Yeah, uh, themselves. principally, and you know they were merely able to adopt a human appearance for a time, like Tanuki. Sorry, Tim, not. <laughs> now uh, I should also mention the jackalware.
0: Yep, and there's another one that uh, comes right out of nowhere. And then you realize that, oh, yeah, the jackalware is kind of one of those creatures that it's more a jackal that can take a human form. So it's another one of those kind of, not so much inflicts lycanthropy, but the classic ones that we're talking about. The uh, The true lycanthropes, we have, like, we hit right at
2: the top. Uh,
0: Werewolf is the probably the one when you think of a lycanthrope They're, it's going to be the first one to come off the tip of your tongue
2: yeah when we speak of creatures that can shape change and shift appearance and you know appear to be human and yet uh, also have a bestial or creature form uh, those are something a little apart now the true lycanthrop is distinguished by the fact that it is a passable curse it is a condition. Uh, you know, not necessarily a completely unpleasant ailment, uh, but it certainly comes with complications. Now, the implications for role play is well, I mean, it runs both ways. on the one hand, uh, lecanthrops add an extra dimension of nervousness to an encounter because technically they are infectious they they have a you know passable curse. That should they do sufficient damage to an enemy, and should a saving throw be failed, next thing you know, a player character has got this problem themselves. So the apprehension they feel is a little more palpable when facing a lycanthropic opponent. Uh, And I am a huge fan of tension in gaming. Uh, Missing out on the classic trope of, uh, you know, having a combat against a lycanthrope and guarding yourself against excessive wounds and... uh, well, it's yeah. a lot of fun.
0: And that's the reason why you carry Wolfsbane, is not only to ward them off, but uh, a little bit of Belladonna afterwards.
2: Yeah, you, you might want a little something for the cure, to, like up your odds of uh, recovering safely after that fight. Uh, yeah, and
0: primarily the curse of the lycanthropy is where a lot of gamers come to dread fighting these creatures. But uh, in later editions, it's been explored that there may be a... Trueborn, and it was more or less at the end of second edition that uh, they started to delve into this. The Ravenloft uh, started to deal with. There were two types of lycanthropes: the cursed and the natural born. There were a group of them that were natural born. Sort of, you kind of see that in going back to Jason's The Howling. I'm a wolf
2: like my father before me, right, and, and his father before him.
0: It's a long, honorable tradition of ripping people apart in the light of the moon. Ow! But. All lycanthropes, uh, when exposed to the light of the full moon, draws them into their bee skins, as surely as it does the tides. And so they are drawn forth. In the same way that the Greeks looked at the strange effect that the moon would have on not only the tides and the attitudes of men and animals, so it was that we began to make myth about those creatures. And so the lycanthrope had, in Europe, especially Eastern Europe, had a long list of... Of features that could be seen as telltale signs, like your eyebrows growing together, like you've got a unibrow and pointed ears and long nails. You know, that could be seen as a sign of lycanthropy uh,
2: for the time.
0: <laughs> also, tough, heterocom- break,
2: tough break for those who are given to hirsuteness and yeah. uh, not aren't particularly talented at uh, face hair grooming. <laughs>
0: well, we are talking about Eastern Europe and the Middle Ages. So. Yeah,
2: i mean, getting shanked with a chunk of shield, uh, with a chunk of silver is probably you know, uh <laughs> par for the course. Like, oh, I'm so impressed that you went out and got silver for this. I mean, usually people just shank each other with plain old whatever.
0: Yeah, but during times of religious tension, fear of the plague, oncoming wars and invasion, yeah, Lycanthropy seems pretty normal to be afraid of, right? I mean, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. But uh, between the uh, the one thing that both lycanthropes, both afflicted and natural born, have in common is that they can transmit it. And once a player is a lycanthrope, you might notice that they have different things happening to them at the full moon, (laughs) like they go, they wake up covered in blood or dirt under their nails that they don't remember, and all their clothing shredded.
2: I really want to take a moment right here and talk about uh, one of my favorite parts of this facet of lycanthropy and gaming. Uh, if you have adept players, players who are trustworthy, uh, and who are like open to weird things happening, you know, they, they, they don't really bucket the reins and, you know, shy away easily. If you have people you can work with, Uh, There are some great role-playing and storytelling and uh, gaming experiences available at that exact moment, where uh, a DM might, instead of snatching the character sheet away and saying, hey, this character is dead to you because they're a Lycanthrum now, unless the other players gang up and capture you and, uh, you know, free you, you don't get to play this character anymore. That's the kind of super old-school, easy way out other option becomes available when you've got really good players you can actually play this out and it's a thing totally worth doing because you begin subtly as the dm with those tiny warning signs and the actions of the character are not entirely up to the player but once you've crossed a certain threshold where the player is now properly aware that they have been afflicted with some form of lycanthropy. Uh, If you have someone you can work with and trust, you can actually make for some amazing role play as they kind of come to terms with this new reality. Sure, and you can also
0: uh, interject uh, party tension with that if you take the player away or after session and explain to them what has happened to them, and uh, as Mike said, someone you can trust then that player can be entrusted to run a lycanthropic character carefully when with due consideration. And when it's finally known, and of course uh, the rules for transforming through armor aren't there for a reason. Yeah. They aren't there by mistake. They're there for a reason. And, you know, that's one thing to take into account, is that sometimes stress causes a lycanthropic change. And... And stress-inducing lycanthropy.
2: Yeah, stress-induced lycanthropy uh, adds another dimension to play for the DM. It means that you're not just bound by some rigid convention that there's just, you know, a few days in a given month that the player character is vulnerable uh, to these impulses. That if extreme duress, uh, combat, uh, emotional, you know, uh, turmoil, if any of these things can trigger a new lecanthrop, uh, who has not fully gained control over themselves at this stage, then, you know, wow, you are just set as a DM with a cornucopia of opportunities uh, to have things get very complicated in certain encounters. Uh, because a new lecanthrop may not have terrific control over where they target their outrage. I mean, in some cases, they're kind of like a, a, you know, a a weaponized, uh, you know, you just let them roll, man. As long as the the good guys move away from the area and just let them rip. Uh, But, if you're not lucky enough to have that circumstance, this gets really complicated for the players. Yeah, well, besides anything that uh,
0: complicates lives for player characters makes fun for the DM. It can also be a little problematic, and a lot of players will quickly try to shred, shed themselves once they know that they're infected of their lecancific curse. And of course, herbalism and its many uh, folklore remedies exist, but also magic. And you know, herbalism and alchemy offer many choices as well. It Drinking works. belladonna, a mixture of belladonna wine and... wolfsbane from a silver chalice, is reputed over a period of time, is reputed to lessen it, and eventually reduce it. Most players are just going to go straight for the money gun and just pay a high-level cleric to re- uh, rid them of it, which starts the quest part, and also for certain characters with alignment considerations or having done really horrible things while they're a Lecanthrop, like hearing, like, oh, a small a family was found ripped to shreds inside their small cottage. Terrible. It was like some great beast flung themselves at them <laughs> with no purpose other than to kill them. And, oh, wow, so that, me being a werewolf isn't such a hot idea now, after all. Being
2: a it? werewolf is awesome. You ate 16 people.
0: They were delicious. I wasn't hungry for several days. Yeah, yeah, walk it
2: back, Mr. Dahmer.
0: Jeez. So most player characters are going to try to rid themselves of it, but some of them may try to, in, indeed, as Mike has uh, insinuated here, try to deal with the curse. And that makes for some interesting role play, and there you go. Is that after finding out that you killed a bunch of people who had didn't have it coming, makes it hard for you to deal with. And uh, there is some interesting options.
2: Uh, uh, well, I mean, one is like if the DM is is particularly on point, you keep track of the days, uh, and you know yep. they. If you find yourself uh, with a group of player characters in a dungeon and They've been stuck down there longer than planned. Oh, dear. We thought we'd be out, uh, you know, with at least three days to spare to get back to town. But here we are, still stuck in the dungeon with somebody about to hit the night of the full moon. Yeah, not good. Uh, you know, that, that's one way to handle it and to be fair to them and, you know, make them experience the penalties that come with being a rare creature Yeah, and if you have uh, a
0: calendar or a lunar cycle in your campaign, keep careful track of that. That's also a big one. But also negotiating with the beast within. It can be done, and with permission of the player of the Game Master primarily, the DM, it's important to have that kind of conversation talk, that if you want to do this, this is going to be something that's going to be a long-term goal for your character. You're not going to be able to just turn it on and off. It's not that easy. And indeed, one of the main problems with lycanthropy early on in the game was gain balance. But I kind of think like this. Once a where creature is known for what it is, many people, especially in a fantasy setting, aren't too hard-pressed to find a way to get sober onto their weapons. Oh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Silver-tipped arrows are readily available in most early edition games for a reason because, well... You're going to
2: face some lycanthropy in this game. The defensive
0: yeah. creature nature of wear creatures are formidable, but silver is easily obtained, relatively speaking, and can be applied to weapons with a relative... Modicum of ease, and in later editions, I they had uh, potions, silver sheen, and other things that could be applied that would give a temporary alchemical silver property to a weapon. In addition to just magic weapons being able to overcome it right off the bat, so, you know, once you get your hands on an enchanted blade, that werewolf will be singing in another
2: tune. Yeah, and mind you, in, only in the first two editions was Lycanthropy uh, theoretically op Which, in a lower-level campaign, yes, it was OP. Now, in a higher-level campaign, it's long since been matched by the the rival powers of magic weapons, spells, potions, and otherwise. Ah, In the third and later editions of D&D, you begin to see a normalization of lycanthropy, where it's just seen as another experience, another template. It has some advantages and some drawbacks, but the game scales up and down in relative strength and complexity easily enough that you can overcome this. Uh, You can have a lecanthrop amongst your players and not radically imbalance the game. So I I am going to applaud some of those changes that got made over the years.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's been a couple options, like in the Pathfinder game, they allowed you to come up with the skinwalker racial uh, choice, which was basically you would pick a skinwalker, you'd get a few... uh, Bonuses, and then you'd pick which type of lycanthrope that you descended from. Where Pekingese?
2: Well, thank you, um, Jack L. Chalker.
0: Yeah, well, where Pekingese could mm-hmm. gods. Where Wherever they <laughs> loomed large, where Pekingese could, of course, be formidable <laughs> opponents, but because no one expects them, but nobody
2: expects oh where Pekingese. But yeah, you could definitely
0: uh, have one of those as player character options, which lessens a little bit of the powers of the lycanthrope, but still gives you the same sort of experience. Not as crazy as some of the more obscure types of lycanthropes later on in the game, but more going with the same standard ones, of you know, from were-rats all the way down to wear crocodiles
2: Oh, yeah, and I mean, not joking anymore, the... Skinwalker option in Pathfinder opened the door to a wide variety of animals that basically had been ignored in the earlier editions. So, I mean, as far as the Skinwalker is concerned, you could theoretically be a were-stag who just, you know, you turn into a big deer and you can... Well, yeah, you can include
0: as many obscure as you want. and anything. But... The common ones that you're going to uh, associate with in a fantasy game are the ones that are called more or less the brutes, the ones that associate with the bear, the boar, and the wolf. Probably are going to draw the most player characters. And they still give the experience because you can change the shape and you're still bound to the cycles of the moon by involuntary change, but you're not going to completely kill the entire party in one go.
2: Yes, and to be super specific on this point, uh, the where creatures who have an alignment uh, in keeping with that type of animal that is not evil and not generally inclined to mayhem uh, are honestly the best theoretical possible encounters for a player character because uh, absolute, complete madness and a slow descent into alignment change and evil uh, are not necessarily a part of the routine there. You might no. drift towards neutrality, but the ability to control yourself is easier to maintain. And that's that's a far better option for a player character than dealing with uh, you know, wolf lycanthropy or yeah,
0: the classical one is you turn into a werewolf, you know, humble and, man by day, by night, rampaging beast. And so yeah, a bloodthirsty monster definitely nobody wants to be around, so of course you're cursed. However, in a fantasy game, there's many more avenues than just being healed or removing it. Oh, yeah. You could try to deal with that beast and getting back on the track of that. uh, If you were inflicted, where you descend to madness is the fact that you you are literally a person of two minds. You don't have control over your other self, and it could manifest itself in the worst of possible situations, making you a misanthrope. Secondly, you can also turn... To the player characters to self police and deal with the errant player character. The last time here, it was a full moon out, you almost ate the half the party. Screw it, I'm attacking your character right now before they turn into a <laughs> wear chart. Oh man, I was just third level too. Yeah, well,
2: so are the other people
0: that you ate. But there you go. Uh, silver shanks all around. They're not going to be in, in a party for bird. The whole pervert. party
2: sleeps with one eye open, and you never get assigned uh, watch duty. <laughs> or better yet, they just chain you up
0: in the hold of the ship and just let it pass.
2: Nonetheless, whatever happens out of that,
0: um, there are some unique role-playing Attributes that I've noticed over the years is that uh, Ravenloft had a way of dealing with the beast. Uh, there was a small community of those who were trying to reform themselves, including the oft-mentioned were-badger. <laughs>
2: you know, as a thing. Yeah.
0: They were trying to reform themselves. Pathfinder and Galarian has wolf-ear, where a community of both afflicted and natural-born lycanthropes lives. And everybody knows that, yeah, well, uh, sometimes don't stay too uh, long in the end there. Because uh, especially around the full moon, people get a little edgy in that community. <laughs> it doesn't get its name for nothing. It's an open <laughs> secret, but if you're not in in on it, it can be alarming. But yeah, they're trying to cope with it, and much like that howling, where there was a psychiatrist trying to work, you know,
2: with them. Yeah, that that worked out well. How oh. how did that end? Did that end pretty well? Did it? I ended somewhat better in uh, stories, like for instance. Uh, Oh, the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where after considerable travel and yep. effort, uh, you know, he had acquired mastery over the self as long as he maintained his proper emotional state. You know, he could be out during the full moon and he wouldn't change. However, any loss of emotional well-being could mean, you know, rapid shift to forms. So, uh, you know, interesting spins on it. And you know what? Uh, whatever popular, popular media you may see on the subject... Feel free to harvest it. You know, alter a rule for your game. Mm -hmm. Have a little custom thing going on. Uh, Apply house rules that you think are appropriate and reasonable limitations. Uh, and Yeah, there were a couple early
0: Dragon magazines that dealt with the same things. Yeah. Pathfinder definitely picked them up. I was noticing there was a, quite a similarity between that. And again, uh, if you have somebody who really wants to play Lycanthrope right off the bat, the is a great addition. I mean, that's where you harness player energy right off the go.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, they've got a direction they want to go, and it would frustrate them to not be able to go anywhere near it. But here's something that draws a nice middle ground... Uh, And the material, I I want to pause for a moment and go uh, mention the Pathfinder Player Companion, Blood of the Moon. Uh, Now, that is the particular publication that offers some of those options, and it's worth having a look at in any format. Because this will enable a DM to pick, choose, pluck, edit, do as you see fit. But it puts some options on yeah, the Yeah, even if you
0: aren't playing a hardcore uh, first edition Pathfinder campaign, a lot of the stuff can be harnessed and uh, reinvented for your system or yeah. just uh, you know some of the serial numbers scrubbed off and completely <laughs> used. But you know, I had a guy that wanted to be a wereborn. Man, he was just out for blood to be a werebore, And I just let him make. start as one and... Uh, because I know well from past experience that, you know, every time there was an encounter with a werebore, they begged the wereboar in almost, you know, humiliating essence. of Begging the werebore to just almost kill me, but not quite, so I can become infected. And I was like, wow, I'm really going to do this? Okay, well, just, it's fine, you're a <laughs> Cool, I can change, and I'm going to go rampaging. Yeah, well, you don't get to change uh you don't have control over it you have to you have a percentage chance to transform and uh, the moon obviously does that so you don't want to be too near people that you care about because while the were-bore is neutral it is easily angered and frustrated by certain things oh, being yeah. kept up in a it's going it's not going to open a door it's going to bust down a door um, anything that keeps it corralled or penned is just going to enrage it and yeah you don't want to be around a bore when it's angry but yeah. most of the time, left alone, boars are fairly easygoing.
2: Yeah, look, I, leave him on the outside edge of town and, you know, if things turn for the worst, throw some truffles at him. Okay. <laughs> it's oh. an expensive way to buy some time, but, you know, it'll, it'll chill him out. Yeah, and I, and I got him
0: frustrated when I said, you don't like bacon anymore. <laughs> it just makes you mad. The smell of frying bacon just <laughs> sets you off, man. <laughs> You get rid of that bacon, and you get rid of it now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like bacon. Don't, don't you want some bacon? Get it away from me! I'm telling you. <laughs> you know,
2: whoops. I don't uh, know, man. I, I'd be a little tough on the guy who's playing the warrior in the party for that. It's like, hey, hey, walk it back a little, there, bacon bits. <laughs> well, yeah, you could use that, so, but again, I'll set him off. But oh, yeah.
0: However you want to play it. Let people have fun with the
2: game. and Slow it down there, owning the barbarian.
0: Lycanthropy is a hard thing for a lot of game masters to deal with because it's disruptive. It's something extra that the game master has to keep control of and track of as well. And, you know, anything that makes the DM work hard is not well really ah. welcome. So if you're a player and you really want to have a lycanthrope or uh, a character, talk to your DM and... Uh, you know look up some of the things we talk to your dm yeah talk to your dm about lycanthropy before lycanthropy talks to you if you
2: experience any of these symptoms no all right (laughs) we'll let the medical thing go yeah (laughs) but it is funny yeah talk to your dm let (laughs) them know what,
0: what the ideas are and maybe they can work it in and if it's a plot element that just suddenly attacks you
2: don't just look for
0: the cure sometimes maybe you know Play it out for a little bit. Draw some tension, but don't let it become disruptive.
2: Yeah, Th- if no- you don't have players who will work with you, then obviously you go back to the old DM standard, which is to conceal everything and have the events be unexplained with just tiny little hints like, you know, Steve woke up naked again today in a haystack with uh, you know, his well, face Steve, covered
0: in gore. You had a hell of a weekend, didn't you? Oh, yeah, you don't even know the half
2: of it. Yeah, it's just, you know... As wow, there idea. were six
0: murders. Wow, huh? terrible. Some beast is at large. Wonder what happened, Steve. Yeah, yeah
2: you, can, you can always get that uh, you know, charming stolen moment from uh, yeah, uh, only American Inspector Clouseau could mess this one up. American werewolf in London, you know, you throw up somebody's finger, you know. Okay, yeah, um, I mean, I was going for a Inspector Clouseau joke, yeah, sure. You, I'm Let's, going dark with it. All right. So I got you. It's, it's, you know, not meant to be cute and fluffy, like the peeking ease, which would be awesome.
0: You just disproved yourself with the same sentence that you were trying to defend yourself. That, I know. That's admirable. I am a contrarian Adorable. to the core. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Yeah, um some of it, you know, only Spectre Zoe could muff it up and just miss all the clues that you have a like and throw fall. We fought werewolves six weeks ago and now Steve's everywhere we go there's these strange murders and he wakes up all covered in blood and there's hairy there's hair all over the place and there's someone footprints.
2: is clearly trying to frame him.
0: Yes. And so Obviously, at that point, if players want to be rid of it, that's fine. If they want to work with you on it, you know, take them aside and talk to them about it.
2: Yeah, but either way, have fun. It's a classic trope. It deserves its place in gaming. Uh, and I, I honestly think it's, it's one of the more entertaining facets of like in, in gaming in any edition uh, or even any system. The, the menace of lycanthropy, the mystery, the drama, uh, the extreme danger. And eventually, the resolution. It it is a story within a story. even yeah, totally Call of Cthulhu,
0: time. for all its high handedness, still has werewolves listed in it. Yeah, for a reason because <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've wore out that topic well enough, and uh, uh, we beat that werehorse to death with a
2: silver club.
0: And again, uh, our condolences to Len Lakofla. Le yeah, rest in peace, Len. Le well done. Hope they'd stick sticking in my mouth. And uh, all that went with him, and we'll carry on after him. He's done a great job. And uh, we also appreciate all our friends following us on Twitter and on Facebook. Keep those messages coming in. We really like the ideas. So uh, this was one suggested by a listener. So
2: Yes, and thank you so much for that, by the way. Because, yeah. uh, you know, James, if you're catching this episode, uh, kudos. Uh, many thanks. That was just a great idea because yep. it's Seasonal and timely, and also just a really awesome topic.
0: And right on. So, of course, if uh, you have the Anchor app, download that, and you can get notifications when we come up with a new episode, and also leave us uh, voice messages. You can get all hold of us there, as well as on our various haunts on the interwebs, which we're still confined, strangely, to just Twitter and Facebook. I'm going to do something about that one of these days. But nonetheless, uh, we thank everybody for putting up and listening with us, and remember... May the the dice dice always roll roll in your your favor. favor.
2: We're out. See ya.